Good afternoon. Earlier today, Attorney General Dana Nessel was joined by officials from the Department of Justice and the FBI to announce state and federal charges against 13 members of two militia groups who were preparing to kidnap and possibly kill me. We need to go all day. We need to go in to the Capitol. It's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on No Way Jose, No Way Jose YouTube channel. All the major odd pockets, Odyssey, and now Rumble. You won't be seeing as much of my content on YouTube right now because I just got a strike for the silliest of stuff. Uh, this is still streaming to an unlisted YouTube thing from my patrons, but it's on a different channel, so whatever. I don't care. Uh, but I mean, I guess I'll let you guys know why. I literally, it was for I had on uh, St. The editor of Garrison, and I said something along the lines of. Uh, that I kind of somewhat sympathize with the plight of the South in the Civil War, and that maybe uh, history isn't as quite as um, quite how we think it is, and maybe it's not as simple as oh Lincoln was the the good guy, the hero of the story, and then the Booth was the big bad villain. Maybe there's a little bit more to that. The context being, he was talking about how he kind of has dug deep into that, and there's a lot to that story. And somehow that, you know, was seen as, you know, supporting violent criminal organizations. And I actually appealed it and it still got slapped down. So I, I don't, I mean, I guess that means some physical person looked at that and still went through with it. So that's insane. Uh, so because of it, I got a strike, uh, which I'm technically able to stream back there, but I still have like a period of time where that strike is still active. And if I get another one, I'll get a second strike. So I'm not going to risk nuking that YouTube channel. And so I made a new rumble I made a rumble channel finally. Uh, so I'll be putting all that stuff on Rumble, and obviously you can get on the auto pocketers. So you know, I, it is what it is. Uh, you know, whatever. It's I guess a good time for me to build up the Rumble, and you know, if you if you want, if you like the the video aspect of it, you'll have to go to Rumble for that for the meantime, or just listen to it on the audio pocketers. But that's the deal for now. Uh, but whatever, it's a little bit more freeing. You know, to be as concerned about getting in trouble. Not that I really you know censored myself all that much, anyways. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, definitely go check out the Rumble channel. Uh, go follow that. I uh, highly suggest that if you want to catch it video-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I do want to remind you guys how this works. Uh, it's, uh, I, you know, no, this is streamed, live stream from my patrons. So if you're a Patreon a patron member, you can, you're able to, you know, pop into live streams you want or catch them at your leisure later. I put those links in there. And I usually put it roughly a week or so, depending on my schedule, uh, you know, before I drop it publicly. So if you want to get that access, that early access to episodes, patreon.com, snowyhose2020. 
There's also differing uh, perks at differing levels. The lowest level is two bucks. That gets you the early episodes. Uh, highest level is twenty. That's spawn the sponsor level. And uh, you know, I read them off every episode, being as their sponsors. And I have Jeremy, who has an Etsy store, Etsy.com/shop/raisingliberty. Follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Rhymes. Then I have my co-host of Tower Gang Toad. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Tower Gang Toad. That is my offensive comedy podcast. So if you go there expecting this content, you'll be sorely disappointed. And if you are easily offended, it may not be your thing. So if you tell me you're offended, I'm sorry. It is what it is. I warned you. Uh, I, I don't care. Uh, then I have Zach Overecker at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K on Twitter. And then also Lindsay. You can follow her on TikTok at Lindsay OKC. Uh, she's covering a lot of that OKC content over there on TikTok because somebody's got to. Sure ain't going to be me. Uh, then we have Matt, who all he ever wants me to say is repping the 219, raise hell, praise Dale. And then at Abrogate D's on Twitter. And then lastly, Kevin B. Clark, who is a full-time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area. So if you're in that area and you're looking for private music lessons or, you know, obviously I would assume mostly probably guitar, maybe he does other stuff. Or if you're looking to book someone for some sort of event, yeah, he, he's your guy. Uh, do want to remind you guys, you know, check out Garrison. I recently had that, uh, you know, I recently had that article published there as a booth. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check out my work and then also booth, definitely go check that out. Uh, I highly suggest it's actually, like I said earlier, that, uh, that magazine, the editor is what got it nuked, which is weird. It was a pretty, it wasn't really an offensive conversation at all. So whatever, uh, it is what it is. Uh, yes, also go to toplabs.com. Use Jose Check if you want to get any my merch. You also can get other stuff. There's plenty of other merches from there from different shows and stuff that's not even show related. Highly recommend that. Today we are going to be covering some nonsense Tubin spill, uh, spewed on the Patrick Bet David show. And I have my buddy Ken Silva with me to cover it. So let's go ahead and bring him on. Hey, what's up, man? Pleasure to have you back. Yeah, good to be with you as always. Uh, yeah, uh, I uh, I watched me and you both watch this entire podcast uh, with Patrick Bet David. Uh, it was he obviously was there to promote his book, and he got all of like ten minutes to do it. Uh, and you know, I guess that kind of works for us because it gives us a chance to cover it in this way. He kind of did this Gish Gallop thing where he covered a million things at once, so it kind of I think it, it suits itself well to covering it in this format. But uh, real quick, uh, for those who aren't aware of you, uh, we want to let people know who you are, uh, where they can find your work, that kind of stuff, and we'll go ahead and get into it. Yeah, sure. I'm a reporter for HeadlineUSA.com, an occasional contributor for the Libertarian Institute, and most of my writing focuses on uh, domestic terrorism, FBI malfeasance, and uh, the intersection of those those two issues. Yep, which made you perfect to bring on for this, and... I guess we'll just go ahead and dive straight in. Uh, this one is, you know, I guess it's not as pertinent as some of the stuff we'll probably get into here, but I figured it was worth bringing up. So let's go ahead and get into this. I'll play this little bit all the all the way throughout, and then we'll kind of comment on it. Uh, you know, I, I often thought, you know, I've covered a lot of um, s- political scandals, mm-hmm. and, and one of the lines that always um, irritated me was... Um, p- People would say, "Well, I, I, I'm sorry if you were offended," mm-hmm. which is not a real apology. No. That that's like blaming you. I'm sorry because I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. because I did something yeah. wrong. Because mm-hmm. there's no excuse. So so in that respect, you know, not to try to equivocate about the wrongdoing is just to completely acknowledge that there is no excuse and it was it, it was wrong. 
Mm-hmm. The, the second part is to get back to work, is to do the work that you do. And fortunately, I was allowed by CNN, by um, Simon & Schuster, who, who published this book, that to, to do the work that I do and do it well. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's the, the, the way to come back. I mean, I'm incredibly proud of Homegrown, this book. I, this book is the best work I can do, and I think the reaction to it has, has been terrific. And that's, that's the way to, um, to try to come back you, from you something. You know, there's a, there's a quick follow-up. There's, there's... All right, that's the extent that he touches on that little section. I guess I probably should provide a little bit of context for the audience. Um, our boy Tubin recently covered, uh, did a book covering the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh crap! I got accidentally running in the background. Oop. Uh, oh crap! I accidentally. Oh well, I'll figure that out. I, I got to zoom. I had two windows open. I closed the wrong one, and I was going to use the other one. But I'll, I'll figure that one in a second for the audience. But anyways, um, I. I wanted to let the audience know that he just recently did a book covering the Oklahoma City bombing. I believe you read some of it. I don't believe you read all of it. Uh, I guess we'll kind of, he, and you know, for those who aren't aware of Tubin, what he was alluding to with the, uh, apology thing is he had, uh, some sort of scandal during peak COVID where he caught, caught, uh, cranking it, um, <laughs> on a zoom call, which is probably one of the most hilarious things ever. Uh, and this was kind of his rehabilitation tour is this book covering the Oklahoma city bombing. Uh, I guess from there, if you want to comment on the scandal, I mean, I don't know, there's really not much to add to that, but, uh, I know you read some of the book. I mean, maybe you read all of it. I kind of doubt it. And I guess kind of give you us your impression of the book and kind of what the thesis of that book is. Sure. So yeah, I, you might notice that he said that he, that's his best work. He's most proud of it. And um, I got to say, that's pretty sad because he makes a mistake in the fourth sentence of the first page of the book. We can get into that a little bit. Um, but basically, his the thesis of his book is about the Oklahoma City bombing and Timothy McVeigh and how that ties into January 6th and the modern so-called right-wing extremism movement. Uh, He argues that basically McVeigh was a prototype for the guy who would have been storming the Capitol uh, 28 years later. And the only thing that was different was the technology and that if McVeigh had social media, he might have been able to convince other people to do heinous things in the 90s. And in the process of formulating this thesis. He just ignores all the evidence that you've presented on your show about FBI provocation, other people's involved in the Oklahoma City bombing that were never apprehended, possible FBI informants, and uh, powerful officials who are still in power today who did not do a good job apprehending everybody involved in that in that crime. So that's that's the book in a nutshell. It's right here if anybody wants to, for some reason, get a copy of themselves to do their own debunking. It's a homegrown Timothy McVeigh and the rise of right-wing extremism. Yeah, I've seen uh, you breaking it down. You obviously did the article. Maybe you did some more articles. I saw Wendy painting, breaking down some of it. I believe Booth did as well. And it seems to be everyone has kind of used universally kind of uh, repeated that, that this is nonsense. And he's clearly trying to get it to fit uh, something he's, a specific narrative he wants. And, you know, the, the way I'd put it is I, I think it's, even if we are to accept the fact that maybe 
you want to contrive Timothy McVeigh as being some sort of archetypical, you know, modern day conservative, uh, which I would find that kind of dubious to begin with. But even if that is the case, I feel like, like you said, that's missing the forest for the trees. Uh, you know, you are, if that's what you're focusing on, you're missing the big story. Uh, he, there would have been, in my opinion, no Oklahoma City bombing without the, without the interference of the feds. Whether you want to take that as they somehow, you know, fumbled the ball or they did it, you know, intentionally, that that's, leaves it up to the interpretation of the person who kind of is looking at the facts. Um, I mean, I, there are justifications, I think, personally for either way to interpret it either way. Uh, I mean, it, definitely one is a little bit more speculative than the other, but either way, point being is I, I am of the opinion that that wouldn't have happened either way. Do you think, uh, to, do you think it's even fair to really consider McVeigh, even that aside, uh, an archetypical, you know, conservative in any way? Cause I mean, that's not the vibe I'm getting from, cause I'm probably a little over half through Wendy's book right now, which takes a deep dive into kind of the mind of McVeigh and yeah, that, I mean, I, I I don't even really know how to to explain McVeigh. I I definitely would not describe him as your standard conservative, personally. No, not at all. In fact, he was a card carrying member of the KKK, so that right away debunks you know the notion that he was some kind of mainstream conservative. I guess according to Tubin, because he listened to Rush Limbaugh, he was a fellow traveler. But as we know, you know, modern conservatives, they hate the KKK. They argue. I think we joked about it a couple of weeks ago when we were on together. Like those guys were actually like, you know, pro-Democrats. So mm. uh, what, whatever you make of that argument, you certainly can't say that KKK is mainstream Republicanism. I guess to, uh, if I want to give Tubin any sort of like steel man his position or give him <clears throat> to his point, I think some of the ideas that were in sort of the fringe patriot movement in the 80s and 90s, uh, this notion that like the tree of liberty needs to be watered, like these kind of this kind of rhetoric is more mainstream in the Republican movement today with Trump and America first, whereas in 80s and 90s, it was more of like a chamber of commerce, Ronald Reagan, you wear your bow tie. Uh, more of like a, a New York waspy George Bush type conservatism. And now it's become more populist, but that's really a dubious um, connection to make. Like you said, it doesn't even begin to tell the whole story. And you could argue that, you know, that's a little bit of the, the party's moving in a bit of a good direction, uh, but it also does make it susceptible for uh, federal provo provocation when you're dealing with, you know, extremist rhetoric, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and you were kind of getting at it before with uh, the idea that this was his best. Uh, he was kind of implying maybe this is like his best work, you know, to date or some nonsense like that. And he was kind of going on about how he's been so happy with the reception of this book. Uh, I mean, I have not looked at all into the sales, but even because for one, I wouldn't even really care because I don't really trust book sales, especially when you're talking about spooky stuff like this. Uh, it's too often you hear kind of through the parapolitics world whenever someone comes through an establishment take that, oh, wow, look how well this one's selling. Um, and, it, you know, my opinion is it doesn't seem to correspond with what I'm seeing elsewhere with engagement, essentially. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm missing something. I mean, I mean, mostly, to be honest, I would you know, judge it by my, you know, interpretation of like the metrics of like, say something like his Twitter uh, which I think kind of tells a tale. Obviously, it's not a perfect tale, 
but me and you are have accounts that are way smaller than his. He has like, like a quarter of a million followers. Me and you are both in five or below-ish. And he, I mean, me and you have definitely regularly, if we do posts about OKC or something, do better than his posts about going on CNN to talk about how he's going to go talk about this book that he spent all his time doing. Which, to be fair, I will I will grant him that, you know, say, for example, me, it's pretty common for a content creator to kind of drop something. And you drop articles, too. Uh, it typically something that's like has a link connected to it where you have to, like, kind of ask your audience to go elsewhere or do something else. Uh, you know, it's typically like a promotional post. Typically don't do as well. Uh, you're usually looking at the 10 to 30 range, maybe, you know, depending on how, you know, amped people are about it. Uh, but despite that, I mean, this guy has an account that's well over 20 plus times. What is it? Let's say you have 5,000, 250,000. It's 50 times bigger than mine, roughly. So you would think just numbers wise, you would at least be able to even just a simple post. Just you should be able to write poop and get and get at least 100 likes when you have that many, you know, followers. But no, he, he doesn't. And I mean, once, like I said, Twitter, not a perfect reflection of the real world, but it, it tells, tells some part of the story at least. And I just, I don't have the vibe that it really is this thing he's making it out to be. That, that, that is not the impression I get that it was, I mean, I don't know if you've looked into it at all. I mean, the book sales, I'm sure it probably, if I looked at book sales, it probably is amazing, but I don't trust those book sales at all. I, I don't know if you have any opinions on that. I just find it silly because I mean, I, I ratio them on the regular when I'm bored. And <laughs> so like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that that is something that would happen. Yeah. I was flying internationally a couple weeks ago and I was happy to say that I did not find Tubin's book in the airport bookstores. And I was worried that I would see that. So uh, that's good to note. I saw the metrics on the, his recent podcast uh, uh, appearance that we're breaking down. I think he's got less than 200,000 views. And I saw the that the host had like Whitney Webb, who had 800,000 views. I think Colonel Douglas McGregor, I mean, that was a great show. Mm -hmm. I bet that's pushing a million. Alex Jones over a million. So he's a fraction of that guy's other guests. And he doesn't have any base of support, even – the, even the most noxious liberals that me and you find annoying, the people with Ukraine flags in their bio, they don't like Tubin. They don't like a guy who gets to you know publicly whack off in front of his coworkers and face no consequences and gets to publish you know gets this sweetheart uh, book deal to rehabilitate his image. Like nobody likes that, even even a, a Biden voting liberal. Um, I will say his ideas are being mainstreamed, though. I was covering a congressional hearing a couple weeks ago, and one of the Democratic members started recycling Tubin's talking points. It was about domestic extremism, and they were saying, like, oh, the Republicans are trying to fight the FBI, but look what happened almost 30 years ago, the Oklahoma City bombing. Like, we need the FBI to protect us from crazy right-wing nut jobs. I think the, the congressman was Glenn Ivey, and he repeated some of uh, Tubin's same talking points about McVeigh being radicalized by Rush Limbaugh and, and things like that. So his ideas are being kind of used as a framework for Democrats to push for certain things, and that's troubling. Yeah, I mean, that's gen I, that, in my opinion, is really the only purpose of this book is to kind of renovate the establishment uh, take on this. 
to make it more amenable to the modern time. I, I honestly, I'm of the opinion, maybe whether it was intentional or not, the Ron Johnson piece he did recently did similar thing where it kind of, uh, what's the term? Um, I forget the term where it's kind of like a, uh, whatever. There's a conspiracy term where you kind of you reshift the narrative, but you don't completely give it all up. Uh, you kind of shift. You give up a little bit. Like, well, maybe there were other people involved, but we're still. Oh no! But no, the ATF uh, and the FBI. You know, the FBI were the heroes here. Blah blah blah. You know, they they prevented another Waco from possibly happening by not uh, by not going after the Elohim City guys as if that was the only two options was Waco or nothing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is kind of what is going on here, and this will I think in the future be a reference point used. Uh, that way, people can like if they're making if they want to source articles or or you know giving a speech and someone asks them like uh, you know a specific question, they can refer to this book and make they give them the air of professionalism and doing their homework. Where you know you're like, well, I cited this book and look, it was in this book, and and so that you're able to kind of gives you this air of credibility. Uh, whereas you you have you know the actual definitive book, uh, you know the aberration, of the heartland of real from Wendy. You have things like Oklahoma City from uh, Roger Charles that do a much better job of this, but obviously those aren't going to be the ones that get referenced in the establishment. But that's why I think it's important what we're doing today. We're kind of slapping it down to kind of remind people how ludicrous it is. Um, you know, I just had a. Um, I just had the QAnon shaman on my show for the second time just a while ago. Uh, he likes to be called the American shaman. Now I always feel bad when I call him the QAnon shaman because he, he, but it just that's what he is in my head. I don't know what to say. But uh, we were kind of like making the metaphor of like kind of like the magic that the the establishment pulls, where they kind of like string together some words and they that has this effect, and you go, oh, and what we're about to play kind of this spell that I think Tubin kind of plays on us where he throws 20 different things at you. And if you aren't someone who's kind of been looked at these things skeptically and understand some of the different events, you will be like, well, okay, you just threw a lot of things at me and kind of sort of weaved them into a tail. And now you kind of cast a spell over the normie where they go, yep, that's right. Right wing bad. Uh, they, they, they do terrorism and, you know, and they do the same thing to the left too. Uh, you know, you look at things like it's not it's you make this a left right thing. That was actually probably one of the things that annoyed me a little bit about this video. Uh, you'll see he gets a little bit of pushback uh, tubin from some of the guys, but it is it does come down to this silly left right thing. Uh, he, he does like, you know, there's different parts in the thing where he kind of talks about like, oh, well, you know, and this isn't even OKC related where he, they get to other points where they're talking about like, oh, well, the FBI, while they were under Biden, wasn't doing this. And as if like trying to make it this specific, like you have to make a connection from left to right. And it's like, no, it's not that simple. It's more like establishment and non-establishment. But I guess I've kind of bullshit enough. Let's go ahead and start getting into this nonsense uh share screen second it's always awkward this i should have had it running already all right here we go uh, oh, I homegrown timothy mcveigh and the rise of right-wing extremism uh what is the premise behind this book and why did you choose to write this um the oklahoma city bombing was april 19th 1995. um two years later uh, McVeigh and Nichols went on trial. The trial was moved to Denver. Um, and uh, I covered the trial. Um, I, I was then working for ABC uh, and The New Yorker. So I, I you know, I, I was well steeped in the story, but, you know, time had passed and, you know, I, I never wrote a book about it. In October of 2020, uh, right before the election, 
um, the FBI arrested uh, a group of people um, who were plotting to kidnap Governor Whitmer of Michigan. And Terry Nichols, who was the co-defendant in that case, uh, was also from Michigan. He was affiliated with the Michigan militia. Same with the same with the uh, um, the, uh, the the people who were involved in, in, in the kidnapping. And I thought, wow, this is like you know similar. January sixth happened a few weeks. All right, that's enough <laughs> because it's just going to be this throughout where he just throws more and more and more and more at you. So obviously start out with OKC and then weaves that into Michigan, which we've already, you know, we, I think we've already mentioned probably a few times in different shows we've been on that this is already the immediate go-to. Uh, that You know, this is why I think things like Oklahoma City bombing are important while simultaneously things like the Michigan thing are important because they're going to string them together like he already just has. Um, uh, yeah, any thoughts so far? Well, okay, so he he keeps repeating that Terry Nichols was affiliated with the Michigan militia, which is true, but then he says that the current the guys in 2020 tried to kidnap the governor, which we know was a federally provoked operation, but they were not none of them were affiliated with the Michigan militia. So, I mean, it's just really sloppy work by him. But while he was talking, I mentioned earlier that this this talking point was picked up by Congress. And so I got the quote from Congressman Glenn Ivey, what he said a couple of weeks ago. And he says, in fact, I believe it was Terry Nichols who was connected to the Michigan militia, which was also connected to the same group that tried to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. So Tubin's lies and misinformation is starting to seep into uh, the congressional re- record. And it, yeah, that's just to reiterate, that's very disturbing. Yeah, uh, I, I did want to take a moment uh, to kind of address something that a lot of people have kind of asked or implied in some posts like that I've made online or, or just, you know, things I've heard where people kind of be like, do you, do you think that, because obviously I think Tubin has it wrong, but people will take try to be like, well, do you think he's just wrong in a genuine sense or do you think he's being disingenuous and personally i'm of the opinion he's being disingenuous because uh, i mean i i can't like slide off the top of my head probably the, the first example that comes to mind is specifically the the letter uh that uh, uh you know timothy they wrote to his family or to his sister uh kind of implying uh, or not even implying straight up saying that he was a sheep dipped individual which i'm not saying anyone has to buy that i mean there are different people who explain it one way or the other uh obviously that is a little bit of a fantastical claim to accept that he was essentially a covert ops type thing uh working you know he was still t- in the military but not in the military working for the feds yeah it sounds a little crazy but that is something he said and he did mention, you know, something within that letter at one point, but then completely left out that, which obviously would be something that would be, you know, nudging at the Fed stuff. And then also there were there were many other things that he, you know, left out, uh, you know, and I'll be honest, I haven't read the book, but I know people have and people have cited, I've read different threads with people pointing out specific examples. And obviously where they, he would have had to have looked at specific sources to gather the information, information he had. And it, it it's just to the point to where he leaves out certain contexts that it to leave it out is almost like it, it gets to the point of disbelief of being intent, unintentional. And I mean, I don't know if you agree with me. I just, I guess I'm aware. And I know that he apparently had 
either read uh, um, Aberration as well or he read, was familiar with it because he had kind of touched base with Wendy and then also he was looking at the same kind of archive she was looking at and digging through. Uh, and obviously they came to very different uh, conclusions uh, and, or presented it very differently. Uh, and it just comes it comes off to me as if, you know, very much trying to force his narrative. And if that means leaving out information that might I indicate something else, uh, he seemed to not have a problem with that. And he was looking at information that would have had that. So he it comes to the point where I, I very much struggle believing that he unintended like it was a, a, a fair mistake. A hundred percent, I agree. And he had exclusive interviews with Bill Clinton and the current Attorney General Merrick Garland for his book. Uh, Garland helped prosecute McVeigh, and I did read the chapter that Tubin wrote about that, about how you know Garland carefully and diligently handled uh, the Oklahoma City bombing case. And twenty-eight years later, he's doing the same for January sixth. He talks about the preliminary hearing where Garland is um, presenting the evidence against McVeigh. And in that same hearing, as we've discussed several times on this show, Garland objects whenever questions about John Doe 2 are raised by the defense team. And that's another thing that you're just not going to see in this book. So it's, yeah, it's, it's too sloppy to be unintentional. I got to imagine um, I got to imagine this is a intentional propaganda. And since I think we're about to move on, I want to make one more point about this Michigan militia. Mm -hmm. He keeps trying to compare the Whitner kidnapping plot with OKC and using the Michigan militia to kind of draw the connection. And the Michigan militia does have a connection to the Oklahoma City bombing, but not one that he'd want to explore with any sort of <clears throat> seriousness. And this is from Roger Charles' book, Oklahoma City Bombing, What the Investigation Missed and Why It Matters. Charles writes about how there's this congressman in Texas, they got a fax at like 8 a.m. on April 19th, 1995 from Mark Kornicke. Uh, he was a Michigan militia, Michigan militia leader at the time. And the facts said, first update, building seven to 10 floors, only military people on scene, ATF, FBI, bomb threat received last week, perpetrated at this, perpetrator unknown at this time. This was sent an hour before the bombing actually happened, which is very spooky. And that is a legitimate question that I have about the Michigan militia and its connection to Oklahoma City, what it might have known about that attack. But that, of course, implies that there were other people helping McVeigh, which is something that Tubin denies. Tubin presents the mainstream story that McVeigh basically acted alone. Nichols helped him in the weeks leading up to it, but McVeigh was the only guy that carried out that attack. So I just wanted to mention that spooky Michigan militia connection before we moved on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh <laughs> I did want to let people know because we did a little bit breeze over the Michigan stuff, but there is a lot to be. I mean, I, it didn't really. I, did, I didn't really see any specifics to be brought up there. Uh, but you know, if you guys, if someone has is not aware of that, I've done. I have a whole playlist of Michigan stuff. I've done multiple episodes. 
I want to say you were on for one of them. I've had Brandon on. Uh, I've also had uh, Radix on. Uh, Radix, uh, Radix Varum has a great coverage of that. She's done a lot of great writing as well on her subsec, a lot of great coverage on her show. You've wrote about it a ton. So there's plenty out there to show. It's just, it's beyond like. It, to be claiming this is legit at this point is just silly and shows you haven't done your homework. I will give that to someone that, okay, maybe you can uh, genuinely come to that conclusion without having done your homework. I'll, I'll grant him that because, you know, in, in the context here, uh, I'm not entirely sure that he's gone through all the sources and such. Now, with OKC, he has. He, is, uh, he was going through these things and cites a lot of the stuff that would imply a lot of through lines we're talking about. Like you were saying, the through line, there is a through line through a lot of the things he's about to say here, but it's a different through line from what he's uh, saying. So I guess let's get back into it. Weeks later. So I decided to look at the story again. First of all, it's oh actually you know what January six he brought up January six uh, I, I guess we'll, let's let's touch on that real quick because I think he just breezed over I don't know if he'll go back into it uh, actually you know what there I, I think they go back into it again no we'll just keep moving and we'll come back to January just 6. an incredible true crime story of how McVeigh did this and and I certainly believe that McVeigh did do it it's not like I, there's some conspiracy that he didn't do it he certainly did it and and the way he organized it and the way he you know there's one thing I can agree with him with. <laughs> Got the fertilizer and the in the in the um, racing fuel and rented the truck. It's just an incredible story, but um, McVeigh has since been portrayed as um, someone who was like a lone wolf and an anti-government person. It's not accurate. McVeigh was part of the right-wing movement of the '90s. He was. Um, uh, someone who was a you know a big Rush Limbaugh supporter. He was a Pat Buchanan supporter. He was um, someone who was obsessed with um, the the supposed fear that the government was going to take his guns away. Um, if you see that ideology moving forward, um, that any thoughts so far? I mean, he threw a lot of us right there, uh, kind of going into the mentality of McVeigh. Uh, you know, and, and, and this is kind of touches on what I was getting at earlier, where they are kind of shifting the narrative again. He just did it sneakily a little bit there where he goes, oh, he was portrayed as a lone wolf. And then he brings it to, oh, he was part of a movement. And which is kind of true. He was sort of part of the white power movement at the time. Uh, and they are kind of shifting their, uh, the, the, the flag in the ground, the establishment from lone wolf to part of some sort of ethereal movement. Uh, they, they probably won't nail down specifics. Uh, you have any thoughts so far? No other than to say Tubin's being disingenuous. He's, you know, Timothy McVeigh was part of a network of Nazis, not some loose move, loose political movement. Like there's, there's really a clear distinction to be drawn there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Ideology is, it has been enduring. And the difference is that McVeigh didn't have the internet in the nineties. He didn't have the ability to communicate with like-minded people and um th those sorts of views are com uh, are a lot easier to spread now and if you look at whether it's january 6th or the mass shooters in el paso in south carolina in pittsburgh in buffalo all right he's through like three different mass shootings i mean any of those perk your ears up because I, I remember going through them 
It's he put he throws he tranks him out so hard, but I do remember being like, oh yeah, fed 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 on a couple of them. Uh, we can back up a second or two if you want. If you want to hear those ones again, he just threw three at us. But I I, I remember. Uh, let's let's back up a tiny 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 bit. What are we at? Uh, oh crap. Uh, where am I? At? In South Carolina, in Pittsburgh, in Buffalo. Okay, any of those catch your ear? <laughs> do you recall any of those? Buffalo, big time, big time. Oh, there you go. So your yeah, your listeners might be a little familiar with Buffalo. The big scandal there. I think this might be the biggest scandal the FBI is trying to suppress uh, today. Like within the last ten years, this might be the worst thing the FBI has done. Is that so? The Buffalo sh- shooting was live streamed on uh, Discord, I think, or maybe a Facebook. But it turned out uh, that the shooter had been communicating with a quote unquote retired federal agent like a half an hour before he, you know, started killing black people with, um, you know, indiscriminately. And this was ironically, it was actually reported by the Buffalo news reporters who wrote McVeigh's first biography. Uh, They kind of transcribed McVeigh's story for him, which is, kind of another random question, but um, yeah, that that's a total fed up right there. And the FBI actually confirmed to me that they are still supposedly investigating this agent, commu- uh, this agent's communications with the shooter. Uh, another uh, a little interesting dark fact about the Buffalo shooting is that the FBI, there's this article from like 2015 about them setting up a program to try to, spot potential mass shooters and this was specifically ran out of the buffalo field office it's it's a really dark dark case almost as dark as okc to be frank yeah and uh to tie it into something you brought up earlier january 6th with the pipe bombs you you, you said that they oh they're still investigating it the same thing kind of happened with the pipe bombs they tracked down i had kyle seraphim on my show and i guess he was kind of loosely associated with if not directly i forget his specific role in that but yeah, he was saying that they basically, and I believe you did as well, I, I believe you reported on this, that they basically hunted down, they, they found someone, were able to track, I think through the credit card transactions, some individual who, you know, was somehow associated with it. I guess they questioned him and just, oh, nope, we didn't find anything. And I guess they're supposedly still investigating it. Uh, so I, I don't know if you want to touch on that one real quick, because I do believe you did coverage on that one. Well, I know Kyle said on your show, which... I probably should have wrote a story about it. It was, he said the bombs were inert, the ones on January 5th and 6th, they were duds. And I think he told you that whenever the pipe bombs are, are, are not working, that usually means it was a federal operation because they want to give their patsy, um, you know, something that won't accidentally explode and, you know, maybe take out a daycare in a federal building like they did 28 years ago. They generally give the bombers fake, fake bombs. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep moving. They are all mobilized by the Internet in a way that McVeigh couldn't. And I want to let Vinny talk now because <laughs> I know he thinks I'm well, so foolish no, no, about no, all I- I did want to, you know, real quick on the internet point, he's trying to make it out like it's way worse now and way, and I actually kind of agree, sort of, that it's way worse, but that's because the feds have been able to adapt their tactics to be able to infiltrate in the online a lot better. 
uh, in some ways. Uh, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts that, but that was just a quick little thought I had before we kept moving. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Buffalo shooting, you probably had retired federal agent pushing, pushing, pushing this guy with um, to do something, to act on his beliefs. And yeah, they're, they're finding schizos on the internet to do these acts of terrorism. Uh, I'll only also mention that Tubin's point about the internet being able to spread the message of right-wing extremism was also parroted by the recent Showtime series, Waco, The Aftermath. Um, that's kind of a show that uh, chronicles the Waco massacre up until the Oklahoma City bombing. There's some good aspects to the show. I've written about how they include Andy Strassmeyer and Elohim City. It's a pretty good show. People should check it out. But one of the things I didn't really like about the show is there's a scene where they break into this neo-Nazi's apartment, the FBI does, and they see that he's sending out Nazi propaganda over the fax machine. And the main FBI agent says, like, man, he's reaching thousands of people. Like, the signal is amazing. And to me, that was a clear, like, subliminal message by the TV show that, like, you know, think about now with the internet. Like, that's, they were trying to get the viewer to think along the same lines, the same arguments that Tubin's making here. Yeah, and I, I don't even really feel like the argument completely holds up because if you look at McVeigh and the context he was making, I mean, you probably could make a case that it's like he got to make more face-to-face -face connections. He, I mean, it was a little bit more secret. It wasn't out in the open on the internet. So, I mean, I don't know. It's a little bit apples and oranges, but I don't think it's necessarily completely so far as like actual legitimate terrorism, not with some sort of Fed interference. I don't, I don't know if it necessarily... Like, if I wanted to go do something along those lines, I, I mean, if I go, I mean, the internet might make it easier to find people, I guess, in some ways, but I, I don't know how much better it would. I mean, I feel like, you know, in the old days before the internet, you, it may have, you might be able to make a case you could make stronger connections because you're going to, you're going to have to actually physically call them, send them mails. It's going to be a lot more intimate. Uh, so, you know, making connections like that might come up. And also, there, I feel like the, identifying fed mentality may have been a little bit different at that time uh you know due to the lack of connectivity so people may have been a little bit more gullible in some ways i think so i don't know i don't really feel like it makes a huge difference in that sense you know obviously the internet's a great resource in a lot of ways so i mean i guess sort of uh but i, I don't know i i think it doesn't it's i don't know it's a blown up uh a concern i believe yeah well you know, to, to steal the argument i think if you ever heard the term st stochastic terrorism it's like it the idea that if I'm a demagogue speaking, you know, from my soapbox and I say, hey, somebody should go really hang all the politicians. I know that if my message reaches a million people and, you know, there's a 0.1% chance of somebody actually acting on my message, you know, the Internet is going to probably result in somebody acting on my message if I could reach millions versus fat newsletters or fact fax machines of the 1990s uh, you're going to reach a smaller group so there's going to be less likely that somebody's going to actually um, act upon your your rhetoric but again that's taking Tubin's assumption at face value that this was a the oklahoma city bombing was caused by political propaganda which is nonsense I, I I think, and you 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 left yeah. out that McVeigh was a psychotic, murdering maniac. He's he's absolutely to do something like that to kill all those people. You're insane. I do agree. Yeah, listen, January sixth, 
some idiots went there and they did, they did some stupid shit, but one person died, and it was Ashley Babbitt. She's a United States military veteran who was shot and killed. I th and we just found out again through all the Twitter files how many FBI agents were down there. Basically, and I saw the video of Ray Epps. He literally, yeah, if all those undercover FBI agents hadn't been there January 6th, how many more would have been killed? No, that, what, I'm, what I'm saying is yelling at people, inciting violence and rioting from agents, on the floor agents, let's, let's just be honest with each other, pushing people in to go do it. One person died. And here's my question, Jeff. Can you blame, can you blame a group of people that know for a fact that they already tried to get cheated on in January 6th, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 2016 election, they know that the, uh, Hillary and everybody tried to cheat to get Trump out. That was 100% cheating. Why would you blame them to think that in 2020 they wouldn't try it again? So can you blame people for not trusting a system and then going somewhere? Because I believe in this. If you have a problem with the system, you don't burn down your city. You don't do what BLM did. You don't do what Antifa does, which are actual terrorists. Antifa are domestic terrorists. You don't burn down your city. You go to the heart. Those people, some of them stupid as hell, I agree. Some of them vandalizing and beating the shit out of people. But when you have a problem with the system, you don't burn down your city. You go to the system. You go to the government, and they did that. And I hold on, and I get it. When people say threat to democracy, I, I don't believe that that was a threat to democracy. I think that was a bunch of pissed off people that were screwed once, and they believed, I don't believe it or not, they were like, you know what? I think we got cheated again, and they went to the heart of the source. That's the, it. The, 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 all right, he threw a lot of us there. He did a pretty decent job, I think. Uh, I mean, a little bit, made it a little bit. I think you got get what I'm getting at, where a lot of this whole podcast was whole left right thing. But mm -hmm. either way, he still was kind of right on the right on the but right on the button there. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you have any th thoughts there. I mean, I have. I mean, I kind of basically agree with him. Uh, I mean, personally, I I think it, January 6th was silly, but I don't really. I'm not really offended by it, and I I find it silly when people are. It's like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay, I guess vandalism's bad. And if there were people that assaulted cops, yeah, not cool. But, I mean, aside from that, for the most part, it was mostly peaceful. <laughs> you know? uh, that's kind of my vibe. I mean, if you have any thoughts on anything he said there. Yeah, I thought the guy did a good job pushing back against Tubin. You know, he made a couple, I guess, factual errors saying they're undercover agents in the January 6th crowd, and that hasn't been proven at all there were there were informants uh federal provocateurs but no actual agents but you know he's talking to jeffrey tubin who as i said he makes a mistake in the first page of his book which is about january 6th and it does touch on the federal provocate provocation issue um <clears throat> so tubin writes his, in his book that the proud boys had this manifesto this plan for storming the capitol on january 6th called 1776 returns and he says the proud boys created this document when that's not true at all it was actually created by this like cryptocurrency entrepreneur who told the january 6th com committee when he was subpoenaed that he was recruited by the cia and the fbi while he was in college uh he creates this document document supposedly trying to map out the worst case scenarios that could happen if if the election was contested this document eventually gets in the hands of the proud boys and he claims that it was changed a lot by january 6th um but that like to me that's a big smoking gun in terms of you know the feds kind of injecting their own influence in the proud boys and how january 6th went down 
And I wish, yeah, the guy pushing the bag against Tubin could have cited that, you know, they could have had a debate about that. That would have been nice. So um, I just wanted to mention that while we're on the topic of uh, January 6th. Yeah, absolutely. And and to to his defense, and I, I do this too as well. I mean, sometimes I definitely try my best to be more specific in her words. But uh, m- most people, I think, when they say feds, a lot of times, like if you say informant or asset, a lot of people just colloquially just refer to it as feds as an all-encompassing term. Because sure. let's be real, it's kind of like a, a difference without a, you know, a, a, a distinction without a real difference. Like, I mean, whether some, some informants on the ground uh, I mean, the only real difference is it gives the feds more plausible deniability. That's really all it is. Because if your foremans are acting up, and I mean, even if there are 20, 30, 40, however many of them, it gives them this plausible, uh, plausible deniability. We're like, well, I don't know why they acted like this. Well, that's bizarre. Kind of like with the Epstein you know, case where the guards end up getting in trouble. And it's kind of like, well, look at these guys. Look what they did. That's not cool. You know, it's kind of like they get to kind of create more of a distance between them and the actual event itself when... I mean, you know, reasonable minds can kind of come to the conclusion that, like, come on. Like, yeah, obviously it's not, like, a, a steal, a, a closed and shut case that, like, obviously it was feds. But when you have a certain amount of informants and they're behaving a certain way, you, you just kind of have to come to the point that, like, all right, like, I mean, the very least that, like, they incentivize this thing to happen that way, you know, I mean, it's, they're responsible for it. I mean, even if they didn't, you know, behave in the manner they wanted, they are responsible. They're the ones they're, you know, supposed to be their agents for the agents. So, I mean, it, it's them, you know, it, it's like I said, a difference without a distinction without a difference. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's important to bring up. Uh, I also did want to mention, I believe, uh, I just heard recently that, I mean, obviously we don't have the interview, so we don't know for, you know, but this, so all we have is, uh, is Tucker's word for it, but apparently, uh, he had just interviewed before he got fired, which I'm not necessarily making the claim. This is why he got fired, but I mean, there's a bajillion different reasons why he could have, and, you know, everyone, you know, has their you know belief of why it seems, but, you know, uh, he does a daily show, so you would think that this had happened right around that time, but he had an interview that didn't get released, that he was apparently going to release. He said this in an interview with, uh, what's his face? The dude Rusty Rockets is a show, is like, his Twitter name, I forget, he's a famous actor, uh, British guy. Uh, whatever, I'll, I'll probably think of it later. But he went on some big show and was saying that he had done an interview with, I believe it was the chief of police, somebody in a position like that, and they said that, he, that the place was swarming with... Uh, uh, whether you said informants or assets or feds, like I said, difference or distinction without a difference, uh, you know, and so I, I think that obviously says something as well, you know, if that's coming straight from the, the somebody like kind of, you know, at the top, uh, tippy top in that sense, uh, I, I think I think that says something. I don't know if we'll ever get that interview. I guess he said somewhere that he was going to do the interview again because I believe that technically now belongs to Fox, so he obviously can't use that interview. But yeah, they're. I think we're at the point where it's, you know, anyone who's really looked at this has come to the conclusion there was some Fed stuff going on there. Right. The protests are completely legitimate, and that's as an American as apple pie. I agree. Protest. But it's, it's, not, it's not 
legal or appropriate or in any way defensible to break into the Capitol. I agree. And I agree. Say, no, but so, I mean, absolutely. And, that, agree, and that's all we're talking you. about. I mean, yeah. we're only talking about the people in the Capitol. We're not talking about the people at the Eclipse yes. who were at Trump's rally. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and also I think, you know, I, we don't know exactly what went on behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but I don't think you can prosecute Trump for what he said in that speech. I agree. He said, you got to fight. Every politician says you got to fight. Right. That's not... Th the Beastie that, Boys said you got to fight for your right, right to party. party. Yes, indeed. And, and who could disagree with that? <laughs> uh, but, because you do have to fight for your right <laughs> to party. Jeff. And this is why, uh, Vinny, I told but, you, but, when but, you went uh, to let's January 6th... I want to hear what he has to say. Go, no, no, but, but, but um, you know, the, the difference is the crimes committed. And, you know, you can't commit crimes. That That's the that's what's... Um, that's, you know, what to me is indefensible. And, you know, obviously, you know, McVeigh did something far more egregious. Obviously. But the engaging in violence in support of your political position is something that has carried forward. I agree. Because I think, listen, anybody. From only one side? Most people have no clue that in 20. All right. Well, it just ad came up. So I guess perfect time if you have any thoughts. Uh,. No, not really. I think we we pretty much covered all his mistakes, and he repeats a lot of the same, but it's not yep. worth getting into. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, boo boo. All right. Far. Oh, and this is this is something that I you know I deal with in the book. This fantasy that Antifa is somehow as dangerous as the right is is a is is a. If you look at the statistics, seventy. All right. He's about to get in. He's about to start making his case for essentially how white supremacist terrorism is the new issue of thing and but i guess he's starting off with antifa and saying it's worse than the right and that's kind of the point he's making you know it, it's he does this kind of bait and switch kind of like you said earlier like oh well he really was part of the white supremacist movement he's very much conflating the uh white supremacist stuff with that which even then though i don't think Personally, I think if you dig to the bottom of a lot of these and find out what these really are, I don't think it actually, like if we're comparing, if we want to call Antifa left wing and we want to call white power stuff right wing, I still don't think that the supposed white power movement, even if you fuse it with the right wing uh, at large, I don't think that it uh, outweighs the, I don't know, the Antifa, which to be fair, I think Antifa likely probably was infiltrated with feds and a lot of different things oh, yeah. as well. Uh, so, I mean, once again, I'm not, I'm not even trying to make the opposite case, really. I'm not trying to say that like, oh, the left wing's a huge problem, but they're operating along these silly binary lines of left and right in regards to these violent, uh, things that happen. Uh, so do you have any thoughts? I don't know if you've done any coverage of different Antifa. So, actually, I know you did, uh, one, there was a connection between the Michigan stuff and, uh, and that. So that'd probably be a good time to bring that up, uh. But yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I've been following politics long enough that I remember when Antifa was go showing up to like, I don't know, Daily Wire events and you know causing riots, and that's kind of what the birth of the Proud Boys was. Was literally just them essentially being like, "All right, well, if they start crap, we're gonna have some fun and we're gonna end some crap." Um, so I, I guess I'll pass off to you because I know you've done some coverage on this. Yeah, you raised uh, a good point that I that wasn't on my mind that actually the FBI. Uh, provoke both left and right wing violence. And as, uh, as I wrote a couple months ago, often it was the same agents doing these deeds. So uh, one of the agents in the Michigan Whitmer case, who was 
uh, provoking the militia members to try to kidnap the governor. Uh, the month before he was in Michigan, he was in Colorado during some racial uh, justice protests, uh, trying to get BLM members to try to assassinate Colorado's attorney general. It was, it was the same undercover agent, according to, um, you know, people who saw him and, you know, know what he looks like, know what he sounds like. Um, so again, uh, left wing, right wing, it's all just the Fed trying to provoke violence, divide the country. Uh, to Tubin's point, I've been struggling with this issue of is the right wing more likely to commit terrorism, the left wing? And I think, yeah, maybe the, the politically motivated murders, the right wing outpaces the left wing. Okay, fine. But what's the fraction of politically motivated murders versus just normal murders? Why is this something that we need to devote billions of dollars of federal resources when there's more killings in Chicago on an average weekend than there are, you know, right or left wing motivated killings in a given year really i i think the statistics would support what i just said yeah absolutely i mean it is i don't know it, it, when you are comparing these two i think you do are kind of falling into the trap of like missing the point uh, although i guess i do kind of instinctually lean towards like i i disagree with the kind of the point he's building up to generally speaking even if we dismiss all the fed ties uh, i mean at least at this current point in time that's kind of my vibe i mean the, the vibe could change later obviously that'd be when you know there's a swing politically and then now they start infiltrating the left wing more so than they do the right wing uh, although who knows maybe it's an equal amount as it is but i i just have the feeling that they're trying their hardest to try to gin up the right wing to cause problems right now and who knows five ten years from now it might be the complete flip up that's kind of like how they go like oh all right we overplayed our hand on this side all right well now we'll go to the other side and we'll try to play it up a little bit more here uh that, that's just my impression there's no statistics behind that at all but i don't need statistics because i'm not making the point necessarily that one's worse than the other that's just my vibe uh you know as we're kind of making the through line here it really does come down to a lot of this fed involvement although there is organic stuff like i think a lot like a lot of those like blm riots that they're uh, you know alluding to uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think there was also Fed involvement there, but I think there also were a lot of idiots that were, you know, got, you know, caught up in the fervor of the riot and, you know, just on their own, you know, organically did that stuff, uh, you know, but it kind of comes to the thing, you know, when you have like a provocateur, it's like they're kind of like pushing over a domino. Like, yeah, I mean, there is organic stuff that happens, but would that have happened without, I don't know, there were, I know during the riots, there was a lot of weird stuff with like, I mean, I don't, I've never really dug too deep in these, like, stuff with, like, the pallets of bricks, and then there were weird people that, you know, looked like they were informants that were, you know, seemed to be one of the first ones, uh, or assets or whatever, they used to be, seemed to be the first ones causing uh, destruction or violence, and then would kind of, like, you know, then disappear, and then it, that kind of is what, you know, pushed over the domino for the real, for the organic stuff that happened, but that organic stuff that probably wouldn't have happened without that. Um, yeah. All right, let's keep moving. 85% of the political crimes in this country have been committed by people on the right. Antifa is a tiny, tiny percentage compared to, the, to that. I mean, I, from what I've seen, every time the right is trying to do something or speak or protest or have talk, Antifa shows up just to cause havoc and shut them down. Because, again, 
You have to they silence people with Portland, the other point of view. In Portland and hardly anywhere No, what do you mean? They just went to Glendale. and uh, They were in Glendale, California, because uh, Armenian people were like, you're not going to teach our kids mm-hmm. all this stuff. They're underage. Antifa was there, and they got their asses whooped by the Armenian community, and I salute them. I, that, I get do, messages do, left and right. Facts support what you're saying with the 75%? It's, it's in the book. Yeah. Okay. It's in the, it's in what do you mean? Who cares about the facts, You're entitled to your I'm going to read this book. I'm going to take okay. this book. Je- Deb, you said <laughs> political political yeah. crimes is what you just said. Can you break that down? I know what a violent crime is. I know what aggravated assault is. When you say political crimes, politically motivated of- crimes, politically okay. motivated yeah, crime, crimes, you know that that you know like um, the the uh, Muslim extremists who shot up. Uh, I forgot which fort it was. Uh, the one of the army bases. The, the, oh yeah, the, yeah. the um, psychiatrist in Maryland who or shot in Fort Hood, no, Texas. All right, that one I believe there's more intrigue to that one. Do you know anything about the Fort Hood shooting? I I, I have I, I vaguely remember there there's some spooky stuff there. I might maybe that's ringing some bells from you. Uh, I can't recall. Unfortunately, no. I don't know a whole a whole lot about that. Other than I think in Fort Hood, there's a lot of questionable things going on. Uh, very high suicide rates, rapes. Um, I don't know. You're a military man. You might be able to explain all that stuff better than I could. I mean, I don't know that when people bring that stuff up, uh, a lot of times, I mean, don't be wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't deny that there is a higher suicide rate in the military, but like for once, for when I was air force and I was worked with people who weren't really involved with combat mostly. So I didn't really, but there are like young people who are put in. So I think a lot of the, this isn't all discounting it, but I think a lot of the, the rape stuff is a lot of times, uh, this isn't to at all justify it, but I mean, you, when you take young people and you kind of house them together and, you know, kind of create this situation where they're like kind of partying closely. I'm sure it's probably similar where people talk about rape culture in college where, I mean, I mean, like, I don't know, the, the, the kind of the, the you kind of set the stage in a certain sense to where like, OK, well, all the right uh, mixtures are there. There's young people, there's alcohol, uh, there's questionable decisions and lo and behold some stuff happens and on also too i i will say uh from my anecdotal experience uh there was a lot too where women in the military were kind of uh if we're looking at numbers they were kind of given a how, how do i put this they were kind of almost borderline above reproach and a lot of times pete they would you would see cases where it seems very likely that it was not what the woman portrayed it to be, but they kind of throw the guy under the bus just kind of for the perception. And a lot of times they'll kind of give them like a, they'll, they'll kind of give them some respite to where like they don't necessarily like throw them in jail or, or give them dishonorable discharges, but they'll kind of be like, all right, well, like you can take this to court martial or whatever you want, or you can just get out with an honorable or, or just kind of like a general discharge and kind of go on with your life so that none of us have to deal with this. And so that I'm sure that's where a lot of statistics come from. Although, like, once again, like, just you put young people together, it's kind of like, and alcohol and all that. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's bound to happen. Uh, you know, obviously bad, right? Bad. And for anyone who's trying to be like, oh, God, you're justifying rape. I'm not, I'm not saying that's okay. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a strong opinion on, on that personally. 
Uh, but I, I just I could swore there was something more to that one. But yeah, all right. Your your point is that Fort Hood is in some kind of MK Ultra open air camp or something. I've never been to Fort Hood, and I believe Fort Hood's more army. Uh, so uh, it's probably a very different vibe than an Air Force base. Air Force is known for being a little bit more uh, bougie. Uh, so they probably, uh, they, they probably have a much more legitimate rape problem and a much more legitimate, uh, suicide problem. Cause I would assume the, you know, I mean, you see these guys, some of the stuff they're doing, like, hell, I was just reading an article about all the drone stuff. Actually, not an article. Actually, no, I was reading in uh Wendy's book. No, I think it was an article and they were kind of going over, you know, if you're like, say you're a drone operator, like how that's going to affect you. Like how, how does how do you deal with it when you come to the realization that you've killed, you know, tens or hundreds of people. And then you come to the realization that you've been getting not the greatest Intel. Like, how's that going to affect a human being? Uh, not very well. Uh, and that's, you know, just kind of the reality of, you know, what happens in the military. And uh, I mean, once you come to realize what war is and how war actually works, you know, how often friendly fire is a thing. Like if you dig into McVeigh's background and kind of like, uh, you know, talking about when he's in Desert Storm and the and the friendly fire rates and how often, you know, they were shooting each other or blowing each other themselves up. Uh, it's, it's I mean, that would wreak havoc on a mind because everyone has this propaganda that's fed to them from kids of what war is. Those are the bad guys. We shoot them. And, you know, we're the good guys. We don't hurt innocent people. Uh, you know, we're trying to make the world a better place. And like, even if you take out all the casualty rates and the and the you know the innocent casualty rates and the friendly fire, it's you still like okay, what well, are we actually in any way helping with these uh, you know political situations or these geopolitical stuff that's going on? No, we're usually aggravating the problem, making it worse. Like, what are the real motives behind this stuff? Uh, saving the world ain't it? Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's in America's interest, but what does that mean? That means who, who, by whose standards? Uh, typically certain people at the top. Yeah, I guess if you define that as America's interest, then yeah, there's a way to make that case, uh, which I guess it kind of made me think of the frequent point they brought to this podcast was like kind of like playing off the Ben Shapiro thing, like kind of like facts don't care about your feelings, but you know, you can't have, you kind of like made it so like, well, you can't have your own facts. It's like, that's kind of not entirely true because he's like, oh, it's in the books. The facts are there. Okay, But how do you interpret these facts? What does it mean? How are you accumulating this data? So, you know, people are just like, well, these are the facts. Okay, well, that's that's just a stupid way to look at things, really, I think, honestly. That's like the lowbrow way of, you know, argumentation. Like, okay, yeah, sure, you have the stats and I have these stats, but really you kind of got to dig deeper and interpret the data. Uh, yes. Just throwing, you know, I don't know. Uh, you got anything? No, just a hundred percent agree. Yeah, all right. I think we're Fort right. Hood. Yeah. Fort Hood. I mean, that was a politically motivated crime. It was, you know, Islamic terrorism. Um, right Are you wing. Calling that from the right? No, not at no, all. I'm no. saying I'm, I'm drawing He's a distinction. Yeah, I'm saying it was not from the right. That if you there there is crimes from Islamic terrorists. There are crimes from the uh, the left, Antifa, mm -hmm. and there are crimes from the right. People like the white supremacists who shot up the Walmart in El Paso, the um, Dylan Roof who killed the people in South Carolina Church, the uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh shooting in the synagogue. The oh, okay. He just threw two. I zoned out. Did you catch the first one? I knew he said the. Uh, let me go back. One El Paso second. Walmart. Yes, that one. I've. Did you have you dug into that? I remember I, I looked at that a tiny bit, and there was some weird stuff with the Walmart one, from my recall. Do you recall anything with that one? Unfortunately, no. I think the best guy that you're 
uh, listeners or viewers could go to is the Twitter account, Boltzmann Booty. He does a lot of good work on mass shootings, and he probably has some info on that, the Walmart case. Yeah, and he just said, what? okay, we're at 32. All right, the white supremacist who shot up the Walmart in El Paso, the um, Dylan Roof who killed the people mm-hmm. in South Carolina church. The yeah, I think Dylan Roof wasn't there. A weird MK Ultra. I think Bo- Booty covered that. So there's weird stuff with the Dylan Roof stuff as well. I highly suggest people go dig into that. Uh, obviously, maybe not through mainstream media sources. I I vaguely remember a lot of weird stuff there. I don't know if that peaks anything in your head. Uh, once again, uh, I mean, and you know, to be fair, I mean, we might be, I might be reaching a little bit here. I just, I am recalling through these, this is what happens when someone does this gish gallop and throws a million things at you and you're just supposed to go, oh, okay, okay. Like, you know, okay, well, how do we interpret this? I, I think there was a lot more going on that one as well. Uh, let me know if that, if that reminded you of anything in that case. Cause I think there was some weird stuff there as well. Nope. Nothing. No. <laughs> Sorry. The uh, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh shooting in the synagogue. The gross the synagogue shooting. That was the one we was that the one where we had that like POV look like a Halo shooter game. I don't think that one was it. I believe that was overseas. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, no. So I yeah, I'm not wanting to go down this mass shooter rabbit hole because I don't want to go totally insane. Like it's a dark, dark thing to explore, but eventually I'm probably going to have to investigate these cases. Yeah. I know they're, they, those get weird. Uh, once you start digging into sure. a lot of those, you do find out there's a lot of weird stuff going on and the kind of people they're talking to. Grocery store in, in Buffalo. Buffalo. Those are from the right. That that's the, those are the th- sort of three general categories I'm talking about. And what, what would you, what would you say? Cause I mean, we hear, we hear it all the time from, from the left, from the White House, from Joe Biden, that the number one threat to the United States is is white supremacy. It's it's those and and, and, and I that's and, and the, I get that's that. what the, that's what the numbers show that, and, that that's where most of the most of the threat comes from. Because we had we had two FBI whistleblowers here, and I asked them the very same question. You know what they both said? It ain't it ain't white supremacy. That he's like it's the actual insider threat, and he goes, it's the government against the people, and that's these guys. They were sitting right where we're sitting right now. He got it right there. He got it right there. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you at all believe that white power is this issue, that the white power movement is this issue at all? I mean, I'm not seeing it uh, personally. I mean, yes, I'm sure we can point to anecdotal examples, but we could, if we were, we could probably do the same thing on the flip side as well. And I, it, portraying it as a legitimate threat is silly. I don't know if you have any thoughts there. Um, the only thing I'd mention is that there was a white supremacist shooting, I think in New Zealand, the Christchurch shooting. Mm-hmm. And that person was inspired by the Azov Battalion in Ukraine, which is <laughs> the same group that's now getting billions of dollars from the Biden administration. So the extent to which Tubin makes a valid point, we should be asking, well, why is the Biden administration subsidizing the greatest threat, the greatest domestic ter- terrorist threat to America. Um, a lot of this stuff is emanating from the neo-Nazis in Ukraine. These are the most hardcore white supremacists. Yep. And I mean, you know what? It's like, what is that? Uh, 
what's that uh that Dave Smith line it's always in his intro it's like uh, who are you finding the people you were you know funding whatever so yeah maybe in maybe in like 10 years that actually the white power movement will actually be a legitimate problem <laughs> but uh they might be coming over from Ukraine uh so and even then those uh contrived things might be uh you know, obviously they'll have a lot of CIA connections like we found out with things like 9-11 and stuff like that, you know, not too long ago. Uh, you know, the, the chickens always come home to roost. We train these people to do certain things and, you know, we, you know, it, it ends up, you know, kind of blowing up in our face. And, you know, a lot of times there are cases to be made. Maybe there was some sort of some level of intentionality or at least some level of like they at least dropped the ball to a criminal degree. Uh, and, and even then, even if they, you know, even if it is a legitimate complete, like, oh, we dropped the ball, it's like, okay, but you elevated this threat, you gave it legitimacy, built up these groups. And then, you know, you could, let's say the case, you just completely evacuated from there and then let them do their thing. And then now they're a problem. It's like, okay, but you're sort of responsible for that. You know, um, I mean, with the, all the. When you start digging into the Oklahoma City bombing, and you know, this kind of you know rings true with the Michigan stuff as well, and you see a lot of these groups that they seems they were creating or at the least bit were infiltrating like crazy, and it's kind of a you know if you have a group of you know th let's say some you know, legitimate white supremacist creates a group and gets three of his buddies, and then you get a bunch a bunch of feds to come in, and you know they infiltrate this group and say there's seven seven feds or something and now you have seven feds and three legitimate white supremacists that want to do violent acts it's like okay now you've created a legitimate group where it just would have been a couple you know free retards hanging out together that you know probably had no ability to do anything and you've kind of created the threat you know even if you are like oh we're gonna bust these guys so you're essentially elevating it and yeah Oh, it's showing you it's muted, Jose. Oh, I bumped the USB cord. You there? Yeah, it was showing you. you as being, yeah, you were muted just now. Yeah, no, I bumped the, the cord, then I had to reset my audio, and then it had me muted. Okay. Uh, it, it is what it is. But I believe that's the end of it. I think we've kind of demonstrated, and there, there were other ones that they threw so much at us that we couldn't really, like, there was a lot... I really, I think probably well over 90% of the examples he brought, we could probably make a case of it's not as simple as just, oh, right wing or white supremacy type nonsense. This is stuff that's kind of blown up by our government itself, or at least the very least they caused the problem to begin with. Because uh, sometimes you look at some of these white power movements and if like, say, for example, McVeigh and they were kind of alluding to like, oh, they're going to take our guns and stuff like Okay, well, that's something you've been saying for a while, so he might have a legitimate grievance. <laughs> so I, 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 I can kind of see where he's coming from there. Uh, so, and not to say that it makes it okay to commit violence. Uh, but yeah, I guess we're coming to the end. I guess if you have any final thoughts, uh, now would be a time to drop them, and then uh, we can kind of do blugs and get out of here. I think you hit on a key point at the end there, and we, we, we focus on a lot of federal provocation and you know, we think that a lot of these terrorist attacks are kind of generated by the government. But if even if we throw all that away, Tubin's thesis that terrorism is the product of extremist propaganda still doesn't meet the sniff test, uh, in, in my opinion. He's ignoring the fact that when a country like America, a declining empire is falling apart, 
you're going to have more terrorism just because there's more uh, political dissidents on both sides. There's more economic unrest. You're going to have more cases like the Gordon Call case. And yeah, we're just going to have a lot more violence as the country continues to go down the shitter. But to blame that all on, oh, the, these demagogues, these politicians and these right wing media figures are, are stirring up the masses, that kind of discounts individual agency and the fact that you know, things are getting worse in this country and maybe we're going to see some legitimate terrorism, you know, that's the, the, the fall of the empire. Things are going to get ugly. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and I, I am of the strong opinion. If we do see this legitimate terrorism, you'll be able to see uh, in the background some uh, Fed fingerprints. Whether you want to say that they, you know, made it happen, my hop, or let it happen, lie hop, or or even just drop the ball, it still, you know, falls at their feet to some level, and you know, it, you know, it. That's what's going to happen. So I mean, saying oh, these people are stirring up. Uh, you know, all this, right, by what? Bringing up legitimate grievances? Like, I mean, okay, yeah, some people might take up those legitimate grievances and, and you know, perform bad actions. But, you know, it's kind of, they had, it's the same thing with, like, say, for example, 9-11. Uh, Bin Laden, what, sent that letter over to the United States, I believe, sent the letter that completely provided his, his reasoning for 9-11, and he, it was essentially like a war, and he wanted to... Uh, you know, we were, you know, essentially uh, meddling in the affairs overseas and kind of murdering his people and doing all these awful things, all legitimate grievances. And he was of the opinion that, hey, I'll do this attack and then you guys will destroy yourselves. Uh, he was pretty damn on the ball there. I'm not saying it was okay for him to do it, but then to take that and go, you know what? We should go, you know, destroy the Middle East. Like, it does, I don't know. It, two things can be true at the same time that they can have legitimate grievances and sort of blame demagogues or people bringing up these issues. I do think he's kind of conflating issues here where he's kind of making out like, Oh, the right wing, they're, they're, they're ginning this up by what bringing up legitimate grievances. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, there, there will be people who act in bad ways to this, but the same thing could be true probably of the left with some of the stuff. So, uh, yeah, I guess we're at a good spot to end. So if you want to go drop your plugs, we'll go ahead and get you, man. Uh, yeah, thanks again. HeadlineUSA.com, the Libertarian Institute, on Twitter at JD underscore cashless. Awesome. And this is the No Way Jose Show. You can find me on YouTube, all the major podcasters, Odyssey, and now Rumble as well. Definitely go follow that, uh, go follow that Rumble account. Help me out. Uh, get that thing uh, boosted up. Uh, since I won't be, you know, pushing out to my YouTube channel for the probably next, I, I can't remember when it runs out, my strike uh, completely. I want to say it's like a month or so, maybe two. Uh, but so it, you'll be seeing a lot more, uh, won't be seeing much on the YouTube page. You'll be seeing a whole lot more on the Rumble page. So I highly recommend go check that out. Uh, yeah, if you want to follow me at Targeting Jose, if you want to support me, patreon.com, snowwayjose2020. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And that we are out. Oh, yeah, I want to remind people, I forgot to give credit. Uh, not Tim Tuttle is the dude who made the intro, and he makes a lot of my intros. Uh, I, I steal those from Twitter and use them. So appreciate you, buddy. Uh, definitely go follow him on Twitter. A great follow. And that we are out.